by Playfair Capital. Rethink the way you live and work. Hello and welcome to the Chess Bit, the podcast where three guys talk about chess occasionally. I'm John McKenzie and I'm joined as always by my good friend Phil Makepeace. We're two years old. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. And my other good friend Robin Sarfas. Hello. Happy birthday to us. We were supposed to be in Paris. Mr Macron said we couldn't go to Paris to celebrate. How did you celebrate our second birthday on uh, on Monday, John? Monday, I was driving back from Cambridge after having spent the weekend there. Uh, had a great time. Got to hang out with Dan Gallagher. Uh, what's the what's the what's the is he an IM NM National Master? He's about yeah. He's about, that I think he's, he's twenty two hundred ish. I think yeah. yeah. NM National Master Daniel Gallagher. Um, so he got, had some lunch. It was at Bishop Pear. Yeah, at Bishop Pear, who everyone will know about. So, but yeah, uh, had a great time. I was down for a, an old girls game. Uh, I used to coach the women's team down in Cambridge uh, University team, and uh, football, they were playing not chess. Yeah, football, not chess. And uh, they were having like a reunion game where a lot of the alumni were uh, playing against the current stock. So I went down for that game. It was nice. Got to meet some people I haven't seen for a long time. The current stock. That sounds. That sounds very. <laughs> Current stock is that what you say? I don't know. The, the current, current vintage stock. Goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is anyway. Well. Um, yeah, treating women as though they're cattle, I suppose, is going to be a big topic in this um, in this podcast. So, um, but more of that later. Robin, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you. Uh, I'm ready to come off the top rope today. I think we just I, no fluff from me. Let's just get into it. Yeah, well, it's too okay. much to cover. Uh, and we do have a lot to cover, um, but first we're going to talk a little bit about Vague on Zay. Yes, we are. Uh, it was a mess. So last week you'll have heard us moaning, not moaning, but moaning for a long time about how Mr. Dubov was uh, forfeited against Giri. What happened a couple of days later was that actually he had been positive all along. Or became positive after the first PCR test or something and had to withdraw anyway. Uh, we suggested last week, or I suggested, that uh, that would lead to his results being expunged. This was not the case. Instead, uh, the players he had yet to face all received a free point and a free day. Which is like the double, you know, the double dip. Double whammy. Yeah, I guess there's there's just not a good way to resolve that, right? Because it would have been super unfair on, for example, Vidit had they expunged the results because he's had to go prepare and ah, play that game and then for nothing. No, 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 no. What you can do in that case is you can expunge the results for the tournament but not for the rating. No, but I mean it's un- it's it's unfair in regards to the to, to the tournament, right? Maybe, but it's not like Vidit would then not. It's not you're saying it's like a wasted day. Well, it's still like what six and a half rating points or something. So it wouldn't have been. Um, all, all for naught, but uh, well, it'd been five rating points. But yeah, I thought the way that Vidit was being treated was pretty harsh. I mean, he obviously had a couple of bad games, and I felt like there was a few chess outlets out there who just like played videos of him just getting emotional at the chessboard and being and and, and being like, oh, does chess make you emotional? I just thought it was yeah, a that, bit low. I, I think I think replaying that as a video and saying like, look, this is how much as a demonstration of how much it means to him 
you know, I think that's fair. I think it's good to sh see people showing sort of that the emotion. I think it's you know, people care if, if people care about something, it's reasonable to get emotional about. It. I think we should. That's something that we should normalise about uh, men getting emotional about that sort of thing. I do agree that sort of the social media content in general is just terrible, yeah. isn't it? It's just like look at this thing. How do you feel about it? What it's like trying to make everyone relate to something, fill out yeah. a poll about something. Um, yeah, it just, just makes it, it, it. I am not convinced that that those social media outlets main concern was to normalize male emotion uh, basically <laughs> the tr trouble in the ukraine what's your favorite western intervention into a um the yeah the uh carlson won by a point and a half in the end uh his yeah, default win over Dubov was part of that but yeah he finished unbeaten pragnananda did pretty well the other indian in the in the event however however old he is these days 14 13 15 getting younger by the day he's 16 apparently. 16 uh he, he, he finished uh, now he's 12 <laughs> <laughs> he finished third last but he got four wins um against impressive for a zygote yeah he did really well and he gained a few rating points on that he was the the big sort of rating uh underdog there so well done to prag but yeah carlson wins another event with ease really didn't seem to have to do much he played a beautiful couple of games one against Geary we mentioned last week was my favourite but yeah uh, talking of India uh, in the challenger events the winner of the challenges every year gets to qualify for the main event the pre uh, next year and Arjun Eregasi got it done with a massive score 10.5 out of 13 for a rating performance of 28.04 and it was quite revealing uh, listening to him talk about his prep for the event and how he what he wanted to do with with his 2022 and he he targeted the score of 10 and a half he didn't target winning the event he said his basically his basic philosophy was i want to score this number of points if that isn't enough to win it then so be it which i think is very healthy um from a kind of you know purse like it reminded me of roger black a bit so roger black got won the silver medal in the 400 meters in the 1996 olympics and his idea was to run his perfect race. But his perfect race was very likely to only be silver behind Michael Johnson, who was just a phenomenon. And as it turned out, that's exactly what happened. And Michael Johnson won it in something like 43.49, and Roger Black's perfect race was 44.3 or something. And yeah, it's that kind of principle. So I think it's a very healthy attitude that this young man has, and I look forward to seeing what he does over um, in next year and over the, the forthcoming year, because we've talked about him a lot in the last month with the World Rapid and Blitz as well. That's a very uh, very uh, innovative strategy to just attempt to give your best possible performance at, uh, at these things. I, I like no, but people like... should try this. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm coming from, but yeah. Uh, he won it from uh, by a couple of points. It's an interesting name, isn't it, Eric Gacy? Is it, I guess it's Portuguese, maybe? He's from the state of Telangana, which is in the south, so it's in that sort yeah, of so Goan region, but not quite. It's a... It's a Landlocked state. Must be a Portuguese name then. Yeah, it sounds it though, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it sounds like it sounds like someone Bielsa or uh, Nuno Espirito Santo would sign, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, right. Where are we headed next? This is the most populous running order I think I've ever experienced with us. So, um, should we yeah. should we talk about Fide's ham-fisted attempts to do anything <laughs> again? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who wants to lead on this? 
Well, uh, uh, maybe I'll, I'll intro it because I know Phil wants to sort of like steam in. So maybe I'll like tee, <laughs> tee okay. him up. I'm walking back to my run up. Going back to the <laughs> the, uh, the the sight screen now. Ready for his perfect yeah. race. <laughs> the podcast via John received a sort of a request earlier via via Twitter DM from an anonymous. Uh, we won't name an anonymous. The, the re- <laughs> no anonymous. We know who it is. We can we say we won't name. Well, okay, da- fine. And David Larder slid into John's DMs earlier this week to ask us to uh, help promote Fide's new podcast, which is sort of a series of interviews with um, women in chess, uh, which is part of their uh, sort of efforts to make 2022 the year of the woman in chess. Um, the one woman. Or Yeah, the I don't know if it's that the, the year of the woman in chess or the year of the woman in chess, but uh, I- I- in any case... Um, sort of suggesting that every other year is not the year of the I don't know um, yeah so basically from David Larder who based on what he was saying obviously had never listened to our show <laughs> and had like no no and also weirdly like Fide are like our podcast reply guys now we talked about having our birthday and they're like oh we've launched a podcast on the same day we're birthday buddies um, again just Fide just don't talk to us like delete your account um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so this is obviously ironic because uh, because Fide, like I, I want to say now that the, the podcast itself, I haven't, I've yet to listen, but I'm sure it's like a great, going to be great. The people involved seem to, you know, be the right sort of people to be doing this kind of thing. I'm sure it's going to be, wouldn't discourage anyone from actually like listening to the thing. Um, but this is obviously just like seems very tokenistic and it's sort of just ironic based on Fide's track record. Of, um, of, of stuff it's kind of they're damned if they don't try and make it I guess at this point it's just they're damned if they do and damned if they don't right if they don't do stuff like this then it's like well they're just ignoring the problem because they do do something like this where we're being like well you're you know this is like a plaster over a stab wound right um, but yeah so the, so we've been asked to talk about their podcast so let's talk about it okay so it is hosted by uh, Lily Hart who is a, uh, a scientist uh, at Oxford and is a really good choice for um, for this. Uh, she she's, um, she's a very reasonable player herself, um, and can is clearly well placed to deal with uh, any of the kind of um, the more kind of wider cultural impacts of uh, chess and the women's game. Because yeah, she's a scientist. I think she's gonna yeah be really good. I listened to the first episode, which has got Jana Krivetch on, and yeah, it's she's a, a women grandmaster and a doctor of psychology, so there's a bit of science stuff, and it's really really good. And this is a this is a it, this this product should exist, and irrespective of whether we think that the year of the woman is um, incredibly patronising as a concept, is it now not. also Chinese? It's now also Chinese year of the woman now, as of a couple of days ago, right? As well, so. <laughs> which one actually is it i don't know what it is this uh year. tiger tiger well then maybe yeah um but the the podcast itself is great and it should exist and yeah even though we've we've had this when we've had um the, their chat actually reminded me a lot of my chat with Camwell Bartia when we had her on in uh, august 2020 to talk science and chess and uh women's spaces in chess and they should exist, irrespective of you know trying to be completely inclusive and equal and everything. However, the fly in the ointment, of course, is the wider sphere in FIDE. Namely, 
that all of the decisions appear to be taken by men. Among them, Vice President Nigel Short, who... Look, I mean, this is You've it. all we been have... waiting for it, guys. Brace we... yourselves. Here it is. It's Nigel Short time. We have receipts. This is a man who has literally said that women's brains are not hardwired for chess. He said this in 2015. When the Queen's Gambit came out in October 2020, he doubled down on it. And he, he says we should just gracefully accept women's brains being hardwired for chess differently as a fact. And the I'd forgotten this. And Fox News called him a jerk. A news presenter in New Zealand called him a twat. We're talking about Grand Prix later. So yeah, yeah. Speaking of Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he is still vice president. And you wonder what the point of this is in terms of actually changing the game. It just feels a bit token. And while the people at the top of the game still... I mean, we've had this in football with like Seth Blatter for, for years and years and years, right, John? And... Uh, He's finally gotten. I'm not sure if is it Infantino now. Yeah, he's equally bad. Right? Yeah, exactly. Worse, right, probably. Um, and so, what's the point? I mean, I'm not gonna. I don't want to criticise Lily Hahn or Krivac or any of the people they get onto this podcast or the people behind the podcast actually, because I mean, David Ladder is a is a perfectly reasonable human being, and he's asked us to publicise it. And we are publicising it, but I think it's reasonable for us to also say that Fide itself is a completely morally bankrupt organisation with regards to women's chess and the yep. we've done an entire episode in September, early October on um, Motiva, the breast augmentation company who they've for reasons um, got to sponsor the next Women's World Championship cycle and we you can, you can go back and listen to that if you wish, uh, the episode is called That's an Amazing Cash Grab uh, it just seems like the initiative itself is coming from a place of well, we should be doing something now, rather than, well, this shouldn't just, ah, Fide just piss me off. Um, it, it sounds like a marketing team idea, right? It's like, oh, there's this, you know, which problem. Which is fine. Like, so, it's like, absolutely it's fine. Like, but but everything in the, the 21st century just appears to be they just try and solve it by marketing rather than actual, like, action, right? It's just yeah. like, well, the, there's a, that Fide has a, a problem with its, repu- like, part of this is, is Fide has a reputation issue around women in chess. But it's like, rather than solve, get to the root of why those, why why people think those things about like justifiably think that Fide has this problem they're just going to do a marketing initiative to just make people sort of like to kind of cover that up it puts someone like Lily Hahn in a really difficult position as of well because I not if I went on you know if you if I was going to speak to her, I would ask her what does she think about those comments but put, she shouldn't be in the position where she's having to go out and defend yes. Nigel Short's comments on, on on chess like if Fide is just sort of talking out of both sides of its mouth by continuing to pay for Nigel Short's Nigel Short's expenses to travel to different chess federations in the you know Caribbean and whatnot. Um, no, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, like again, that. it's incumbent on the women in this yeah. project to to have to defend that, and that's yeah. completely unfair. And we're not asking them to do that. Yeah. What should happen is Fide should go. Well, actually, Mr. Short, you're not welcome here. And then you start the process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Fide should say these are our values, and we and then yeah, and actually have a its entire structure be. Uh, its edifice be sort of constructed in in a way that sort of kind of expounds those values rather than just sort of taking its exi- existing legacy, very antiquated um, organi- organization, and then just put posters of 
of, of, of sort of pro women um, and pro sort of diversity uh, activities on the outside of it. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just it's just a bit crap, isn't it? It seems as though, as always, these these places think that the solution to problems is just awareness, and and I just don't ever think that's the case. And we're seeing we're seeing it in football at the moment. A couple of it's God, been yeah. a really really poor week in football um, with obviously the Mason Greenwood stuff, but then the David stuff that was coming up from yeah. yeah Wraith Rovers yesterday where and, and for those people who haven't heard what's going on at Wraith Rovers a number of women involved in the club one of whom is the shirt sponsor um, have pulled out the women's captain has pulled out um, and the club re- released a statement yesterday just saying well this is just a footballing decision um, and essentially the, the, the bottom line is because this guy will score goals we don't really care and I think that's the long and short of the problem with with achieving change within sport that it's it's so hard to to push back against anything that isn't just a hat tip towards awareness well we'll 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 release a podcast we'll 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 say all of this good stuff we'll donate a bit of money to charity here and there when when really the issue is is that if you want to affect real change it has to be in the processes and structures of the hierarchies within which you you function and if you can't do that then then you can do all you want. You can do all of the hand-waving in the world that you want and all the forelock-tugging about how terrible these things are. But if you are enabling these things to happen within the culture of the of the sport that you're representing, then you're not going to achieve anything. It's like a, there's like three stages, right? There's like awareness and then there's represent, representation and then there's like actual structural change, right? And the, all these organisations are at just different, not far advanced enough stages, right? Like here, chess, right? It's again just an awareness level they've just got some people to do a podcast and they're sort of designating 2022 the year of women the women in chess uh, and stuff but then even then you get to like a representation stage right like sure Fide could get someone like you know Judith Polgar or someone else uh, to be uh, you know like in there into their hierarchy right and be like well okay look it's great now we've actually got women in positions of like decision making but it's again it just becomes like you know Cressida Dick and the Met Police right like this is another. I mean, it's just been a terrible, terrible week for 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 news stories about misogyny um, and stuff. Right, the Met Police just uh, you know continue to just be exposed as an institutionally um, awful organisation um, uh, and things. Again, it's like you know, there's a, the, the the head, basically the CEO of the Met Police is is a, is a woman, right? And so yeah, you, it's, it's like until until some of these power structures change, you just never going to have anything meaningful and you're just going to keep getting these disastrous things and, and and the problem is is that the people who are who are sort of the the, the 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 bad end of these things are always the people who have the least sort of say or or, or power right like it's a, it's you know if you're if you're at a football club and they want to employ someone who's going to you know the the bottom line is is scoring goals and winning games right if you're a you know i mean yeah I get, at least you know a shirt sponsor is going to have some sort of clout mm. with a with a with a with a football club right but if you're just a woman who works at the club Right, you know, do you have? Are you going to be prioritised in in that situation? Like, clearly not, uh, which is very uh, depressing, right? Yeah, this this is Val McDermott, who's a, a fine author, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, is there any point in us saying this? Yeah, should we just give up? It just That's honestly, right. it, there's, there's this. There's, there's, we just do this every week, right? It must be very boring for our listeners. I just, I just worry what whether we should actually be. Again, are we are we part of the problem just by talking about it? Maybe we should do more. 
Yeah, I guess. Well, I don't know, right? It's 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 very hard to say, right? What you know, what what? But we've said that the problem here is that awareness won't do anything. That's all about all that our power is. Like we are just a, we're just a podcast, right? All we I mean, I teach I teach it, a lot know. of girls, and yeah. I do my best. Yeah. But yeah. if you can, think... if you can't do this, the overall structure, is I'm not going to be in a position to change the overall structure of the game. We had Lauren DeCosta on a few months ago, and he was talking about his project, She Plays to Win, which is uh, again a really good little uh, charity that you should absolutely support. Um, funding women's and girls' chess spaces in London, uh, but he again, there's only so much he can do, <laughs> and until actually the it's a, it has to be a top-down thing, right? And I just get sad talking about it. Um, not that we shouldn't, but you know, um, please come at us with your ideas of how we can actually help. Honestly, it's it's just really frustrating going. Well, actually, this is the way it is, and that's shit. Uh, and feed are terrible. Because it's, what's the point? I think what we need to, I think what we need to do is ask people to like live these principles, right? Like if you agree with what we're saying, right? First of all, if you don't agree with what what you're saying, then just stop listening. Just we don't, you know, you're not, you know, this isn't this isn't for you, right? Download uh, every uh, episode so we get the numbers, but <laughs> yeah. don't listen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you, uh, but and if you do listen and you think that what we're saying is true, then actually like look at how the way you're acting like how do you embody those things in in real life because it is one thing to talk about this stuff and it's another thing to actually as soon as it then becomes an inconvenience to to actually embody those principles to do it um so that's i guess what we what, what you know from an awareness standpoint it's right it's it's not yeah it's not just enough to be aware it, it, it's when you are afforded the opportunity to actually do something or to not do something which which runs counter to to, to these things then then that's what i would say I know I always fall back on football, but you know we are we are in a sort of comparable situation as fans of football clubs at the moment. Insofar as as fans, you can feel as though your opinion is the last opinion in the world that matters. Um, and the thing that I always do on on our Leeds channel, whenever these sorts of things happen, whenever the owner does something terrible or whatever, is is it is you know it it is join a supporters club and and lobby the the. The club, and I know that again. That's it, it. It feels completely pointless, and it feels like you know, writing a strongly worded letter to your MP ish. But I, I do think that if we do make, I, th- I think the power of this podcast is that we aren't beholden to the, the the power structures, and we are able to say, look, there are other ways of looking at this, and we're not just going to toe the party line, and we're not just going to not cause any issues with with the status quo. Um, so I, I think that's that's definitely something, and and I think that the best thing that you can do is you can you can complain about Fide because these big companies do hate these big organisations do hate um, negative press, um, and 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 they do at least pretend that that they care. I, maybe maybe in the end it is futile, but I, I think that's basically all we can do, right? What more can we do? Well, we uh, we can say what we want on here because we know that from we know David Larder's not actually listening, so. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. having uh, suitably depressed everyone, shall we move more on? More grand pricks. More grand pricks, more but of grand, a different the, nature. The the, uh, the grand the grand preview. Yes. The grand preview. Yeah. So, I think Robin, you're the best person to go to for this because I have no understanding of what the grand prix really. Well, I do understand what it is. I know that there's three tournaments, and I know that some people are going to end up in the candidates if they do well. But beyond that, I know nothing. So, could you just talk us through the the general structure of the yeah. Grand Prix? 
So the Grand Prix is a it's a big tournament ordered organised by FIDE. Uh, it consists of 24 players who sort of, um, they qualify for it through a number of different ways. It contains people who performed well but didn't sort of win or come come second or, or whatever. In uh, in the in the Grand Swiss and in the World Cup, basically the other FIDE events which can qualify you to the candidates. There's also a number of players who qualify based on their rating or who are sort of appointed um, as qualifying by presidential uh, nomination. Um, so uh, there's actually now technically 26 players listed here because two, because two of them have dropped out. More on that later. Um, the tournament, yeah, it's 24 players. They're divided into groups of eight, basically. And each group of eight plays in two of the tournaments, um, two of the three tournaments. Uh, the tournaments are played by knockout, by sort of group and knockout, a bit like um, sort of one of the international football tournaments, um, and then they feed into a feed into an, uh, those groups feed into a knockout, and and, and there are points awarded based on your performance in each of this tournament, and then the overall Grand Prix is won by the player who has the most points, and the winner and runner-up will qualify for the candidates tournament. Um, so the first of these, uh, the first of these. Uh, tournaments is in Berlin um, and it starts in fact tomorrow I don't know if there's actually games played tomorrow or if there's like an opening ceremony day or, or, or something um, but it's, it's listed as the 3rd of uh, 3rd of February that it starts um, and yeah so so that's very exciting because it has obviously the, the, the candidates tournament is basically the second most important tournament in chess well I guess the uh, the, the world uh, the world championship isn't a tournament it's a match as Phil would hasten to point out so yes. maybe the candidates is the most important tournament in chess um, be, be, being that it, it qualifies the challenger for the world championship so um, yeah should we, uh, should we should we get on to talking about the uh, the unfortunate travel situation <laughs> mm, so well it's a big mess isn't it basically world number three Ding Liren uh Will not be uh, will not be playing because he's got visa issues. So, like, it's just a real shame that they've that this has happened. Obviously, and I don't know what else to say because the world number three will not be in the candidates. He's going to play in one event. The likelihood of him winning one and that being enough is very thin it would take a lot for uh, for someone to i mean is it possible for 13 points to be enough i suppose um yeah it would be it would it would certainly be uh I there'd think, be a tie possibly. right you could have a tie on 13 because there's got to be a, a winner from every event yeah but then that would also rely on were they well we're also no but were, were they in the were they in the same group of eight people because right because they could each win one event of the two players who who are uh, there's four players now playing in only one event. If each one of those won one event, then it would, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's a, the, the, these are very unlikely Either circumstances. It's, it's it's extremely improbable now. I think it's a it's sort of an ass backwards way of doing this because they've dis- they've said that that so so Ding Liren and Dimitri Andrekin uh, are now only going to play in one tournament, and then they've been replaced in that tournament by Andrei Sapenko and Radoslav Wojtaszek who are also therefore going to be playing. And it's kind of like, well, now of those four players, no one really has a realistic shot of qualifying for the candidates. So it's kind of, they're just all now there to make up the numbers. Um, if I was Ding Liren, I to be honest, right? I don't know if he's already travelled from China and he's in like quarantine. I, I actually don't know what the situation with him is now, but it's like, if he's already in China, I wouldn't bother going, right? Um, at this point. 
it's um i had i was making talking points for this yesterday at the point at which this news was announced and i had dingley ren as my number one talking point here um it, i think it's a massive shame like it would in print in general for the world number three to have to 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 not be able to have a a, a good chance like an actual chance like a get shot to qualify for the candidates would be a disappointment but considering the events of the last candidates cycle as well this is just a massive shame for him and and you know he alongside you know it, a lot of people have it in there sort of think that him and and Caruana are sort of like have been the two kind of two players who've sort of approached Carlson in in classical and actually have a ch- like a chance of beating him in a in a world championship match and Ding Loren just a big part of his prime chess game career has just been just completely screwed over by covid um it's completely understandable that that had a big impact on his performance back in 2020/2021 and then now he's just not even got any chance of, of qualifying again this time and he he he, he yeah he's uh, just been uh, messed up by that a lot it's a real shame. He's it's just a great. It's also it's sad to yeah just not see such a good player, just not get to like play it. Like he's not played in any of these big over the board tournaments in in ages because it's such a pain to to to, to travel. Hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and um, it it just seems it just seems a shame that there isn't more scope for maybe wild carding in in this candidates. There was last time round, right? And they, um, I can't remember who was it, it was Kirill. Well, Alexeyenko, yeah. yeah. Well, well, there is a so it puts a very into very stark relief the decision to give Tamor Rajabov the wild card. So there is a yeah. wild card this time around. It's already gone to Rajabov because of because, because he of was sort of last time because he was yeah because of the last time where he was a and uh, sort of initially I I did think sort of in fairness like it's fair to give Rajabov that wild card, but at the same token I don't think he had at the same time I don't think he has much chance of winning the candidates. His play is not particularly like I would much actually as a fan prefer see Ding Loren there. But then mm. it's just, um, yeah, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner a little bit by already making that decision. It's weird as well because they had, the last time around in the candidates, they had people who qualified just purely on rating, right, for for the year. I don't know, I can't remember yeah, what it Geary. was. Yeah, Geary. Uh, but like, surely something like that would have been good this time around too because that would have guaranteed someone like... They've Ding done it, this, for the Grand Prix instead. So the rating, right. the, the rating list... There's sort of twelve, I think, or eight. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a few. The, um, Certainly, a few uh, players have yeah. qualified automatically by rating for the Grand Prix. Yeah. So it's one step back. World ranks three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So eight of the top twelve players in the world quali- are playing in the Grand Prix on the basis of their rating. Yeah. Um, the reason I think they changed it was because at the for the last candidates qualification, Anish Giri was in position to qualify by a rating. And he, therefore, I think, based on that, elected not to play at the Grand Swiss because there was a risk that had he played at the Grand Swiss and, and not performed well, his rating would have dropped and then he would have actually not qualified for the candidates. And I think they wanted to get rid of that sort of like backwards incentive that was causing basically one of the world's top players to not play in one of the FIDE events. So it sort of makes sense in that regard um, and, and, and stops the sort of desire to just pr- pr- protect your rating. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's a real shame. You, you do just kind of wish that someone could just say oh, okay well we'll just make it nine players then and we'll just have have Dingler in there but obviously a lot of the other players who have worked who have qualified by actual chess playing would probably then say well it's unfair that we have like a percentage less chance of qualifying now and you know someone like a if Levon Aronian who's world number six you know could he would he then kick off and say well why is you know I'm also top rated like a high rated player 
I mean, the thing with this is that once again, I'm going to say that this world championship cycle is being rushed. It just is. I mean, we're still in the middle of uh, Omicron madness and it's not a surprise that it's quite hard for some players to travel or that some players will get ill. Uh, There's absolutely no way the world championship should be happening next early next year and just sort of rushing the cycle through in 13 months or something. Like, this should be able to be delayed. There should be a a way of um, just going, well, actually, no. We're just going to keep this on hold for however long it takes because Hmm. it's complete nonsense. Uh, Yeah, and the people who are losing out are the players, right? That's that's kind of the issue. And and, and us as well. Yeah, the fans as well. You want to to be part of a sport where the best players are being being given the best opportunity the opportunities to play in the big events it's it it just hurts hurts everyone and there's no there's not really much joy for the two players who've replaced them either to be quite honest with you so Wojciech and Esipenko have come in they're only going to play one event as well like good for them like what they've, they've just got they've got just as little a chance as Ding and um, Andreakin now it's, it's what if um... yeah what if uh, what if one of, what if Ding Loren does pull out entirely then how do they decide which one of Wojciech and uh, <laughs> and Esipenko gets to play in the second tournament. They draft in John They'll McKenzie. They'll probably bring someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's um yeah it is it is it is I mean the obviously the 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 retort to that would be that obviously yeah it's it's it's, it's bad for sort of certain players who are put in this position. But at the same time, you know standard arguments about like well you know sponsors money you know like they want the you know, for a lot of players, right? This a lot of players are going to go and they'll get some prize money here, and that'll be like important. That'll be actually important to them if they're not, you know, world top, top ten or twenty players. Like it's a, you know, it's, it's quite big for them, right? They want this, you know, to to go ahead. Like less, less, you know, delaying all these tournaments means that there's a, you know, what players are going to have to, you know, not get paid to be in tournaments in the meantime. It is, you know, I I, I do think there are like a lot of dis- difficult to see like this. This comes back to I think the point I was making last week when we were talking about the uh, bad, you know, tough decisions being made at Vacanzi is that unfortunately this like pandemic just means you're going to have to make like it's leading to circumstances where you can't make a decision where everyone wins. I think also there's, there could be it could be a better format, could it not? If you've got three tournaments in the Grand Prix series, that doesn't sound like a lot to mm. me. And the fact that if you miss one, then you're you're done. Everyone's playing two out of the three anyway, but if you can't, then play. It, it seems um, it seems completely yeah, but wrong. M- more, more tournaments is just much more opportunity for travel stuff to go wrong. Much more, you know, risk of there being outbreaks in it. But you know, right? Like, surely we should be saying if this is rushed, right? The solution is not to just put more tournaments in into this like already compressed schedule. Uh, I agree, uh, but even 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 one more, even one more would would just make sure that it's still possible for someone to you know you've got four tournaments everyone plays two rather than three and everyone plays two yeah but four and everyone plays two they're not ever then some you're going to some players are going to play they're not everyone's going to play the same players the same amount of times and you're going to get some people are going to face a weaker field than others to get into it it's you, you, like it's yeah. um it's you know like my for, 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 I, 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 I'm not saying that these aren't necessarily like good potential ideas but I think that just putting it like framing it as well actually they could just do this and then that would just definitely make it better I think is it, it, my my point I'm making is that all of these decisions come with like these like clear drawbacks and stuff and it, it, and I, I I'm loath to be too critical of 
of, of of this because I because it's I'm not the one making the decisions and I and I can't unless I can forward a strategy which I would say just definitively would make it better. I'm kind of fight to the death. John John's just gonna get get uh, get everyone in a ring again and the biggest player wins. <laughs> Should we talk about the actual what the, the players who are going to be playing and what we think might yeah why not? might might happen if you if, if you scroll down let's talk about this first tournament in Berlin because there's some good names in there. Um, this one I think has not been disrupted by the oh no it has in fact it, it's made it quite interesting. Esapenko slotted into this uh, first pool with Grishuk Nakamura and Etienne Bacro. So um, that'll be <laughs> Hikaru Nakamura was given this this the actual the original presidential wild card to this to play here. And a lot of people complain that they said Esapenko should have got it instead, and now they're playing uh, going head to head in the uh, first group. It's an interesting group. Yeah. What do we think about Nakamura playing? Because he's obviously not played a lot of classical. I I put him as a as, as as a talking point here, just because he has obviously pedigree of having qualified for the candidates before and being at that as world number two for a brief time. Um, but then, yeah, he's you know he's so obviously not been prioritizing classical over the board chess for a long time. That is he going to still have it? I think he'll. I think Nakamura will. The expert. My expectation is that he might be a bit of a flat track bully in these things. I think he still has the potential to do to get good results against the lower rated players not that there's anyone particularly lower rated like the lowest in this this first tournament is 2642 which is pretty good <laughs> but uh but um but yeah I, I wonder if Nakamura will have it you know I I, I could see him you know for if he yeah playing someone like an Esipenko or like a Vidit right younger players who are up and coming I think might be quite I don't know quite difficult this the the, the field has opened up with Ding Lorena because he would have been firm favorite you say that he could be a flat track bully, but he's literally only going to be playing back row, right? Yeah, yeah, he's the only player under, tw- under Pre- twenty. Presumably, he's right? not then going to face anyone who's below below twenty seven hundred, really, because he'll only be playing if he gets through this group. He'll then be in a knockout, where presumably he'll be playing against one of the strong players anyway. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he performs, given that the the quality of the of the players is just so high across the board. Yeah, I was um. I was wondering if we could should nominate one of these as which is which do we think is the group of death? Oh, um, do you want to run uh, run through the other groups? Group so Paul C. C C C C is definitely C, C, C with Levonaroni and Vidic Gudrati, Daniel Dubov and Vincent Kamer. Yeah, mm. that's the group of death because I think Kamer is the best of the kids, uh, the the best of the current like sub twenty seven hundred kids. Yeah, and I mean he's uh yeah what he's like what eighteen seventeen. I'm going to keep getting this wrong. He's he's, eight, he's 17. Um, yeah, and Dubov's had his recent stuff. Vidit, we talk about all the time, he's just a bit of a... He's an emotional man, and we like him. And Aronian is the top seed. We should. I mean, that's, that, it sounds weird, but Aronian is the top seed. Aronian is now the, the you know rating favourite for the entire thing. Uh, admittedly, jointly with Wesley So, they're both rated 27-72. But that group has a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience at this level but that also means less pressure on people like Vidit and Kamer and you just never know what you're going to get out of Dubov well, if Aronian gets out of that group then we'll have possibly Wesley So in the uh, semi-final so yeah it's all um it, therefore, it might open up. I think the top half is weaker. I think the top half is weaker here. 
I mean, it just is on rating, but like not by much. But it, you know, actually, I, w- I was incorrect in what I said before. Ding Ren was due to be playing in Pool B beforehand, uh, and has been replaced by Wojciech. So that's really changed the dynamics now, right? Like Alexander Grishuk has got to be a fairly strong favourite to make the final of this tournament now. Um, he's obviously like the format sort of favours him because he's an incredibly strong rapid and blitz player he's like three time world blitz champion um, and you know his his rating rise then it's it's Richard Rapport who has had a really really good year and has, 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 has briefly cracked the um, the top 10 uh, but then below that the next highest rated player is Nakamura who's obviously who's actually like technically inactive and then Esipenko Fedoseyev it's uh, it's um sort of opened up for, for, for Sasha to make a run which was surprising given he's 38 now yeah I, I, I would agree with you based on that that yeah probably Grischuk is the favourite for Berlin just because he might have an easier run to the final if he yeah, yeah you pick the there. field against him but he, he, he has yeah Aronian and so we would have to take each other out in the bottom I mean we should take the point so if you win it you get 13 if you lose the final you get 10 and if you Basically, if you win your group, you're guaranteed seven points. So seven points for a semi-final loser, as they've called it. And then four if you're second in the pool, two if you're third, and zero if you come bottom of the pool. So, yeah, you really do have to win the group to be get it at least once to get through to the uh, the candidates, which is good. I don't like this thing of, you know, uh, if you come second in your group and then you just sort of float through the rest of the event I think this is actually quite a, a, a very stringent way of doing things where you must win your group to have any chance of getting through to the candidates that's good yeah the pool the pool matches will be really interesting because if you're Etienne Bacro right you know that all three of these your your opponents are going to be coming like knowing that they kind of need to beat you in the head to in, in the in the head-to-head game because they'll be assuming that the you know that the others will and so to keep pace so I think that's um you know it's just going to promote exciting chess we're not going to get a lot of I suspect sort of grandmaster draws um here so I'm I'm in a way that I wasn't about vacancy I'm actually really pumped for this tournament in spite of the fact that obviously it's disappointment to lose to lose a couple of players we should run through the other pools so people have a rough idea of who's in them so the the second pool is um a very Eastern European pool with Wojciech, Rapport, Fedoseyev and Oparin in it. Um, and then you've mentioned pools, uh, Pool C. Pool D is Wesley So, um, Dominguez, Harry Krishna and Sh- uh, Alexis Shirov, who I'm surprised you didn't want to talk about, Robin, because you uh, have a bit of a soft spot for Shirov. Uh, well, fire on board, right? Like That's the... Uh just a very exciting player it's just it's obviously it's very cool to see him at, at 50 years old make uh make the sort of like this uh, this deep into the world championship cycle as it were um he's obviously a, a big outsider at this point but he uh has, has played at, at the top level in the past and it would be cool but i mean you don't you know the i don't know that that, that group i think uh is um i don't know he, if he could, if he could pull an upset on wesley so then you know we'll see what happens but so predictions Who's going to be the the winner and the runner-up? Let's do that. So I'm going to go Grishuk to win the thing, and then he would play So in the final and beat So in the final. I'm saying this Grishuk Aronian in the final because I think it will be. I think people will be at the end of the tournament. The, the talking point will be that it's like two of the older 
players who've been in the world top ten forever, and that will be the kind of discourse that yet yeah, people, are, the you know, the, the 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 that sort of generation of player is not is not done yet. I feel under pressure to say something different. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree. It's going to be Grishuk, Aronian, so maybe Nakamura outside chance if things go well for him. It will um, be interesting with Nakamura because he obviously is such a like. He's basically the second highest chess profile chess player in the world at this stage, um, despite the fact that he's you know barely in the world top twenty for like on sort of the like the, the sort of main FIDE ratings. Yeah. Um, so I'll stay. I'll, I'll stay. Yeah. I'll keep my cards hidden. But I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk quickly about the Air Things Masters before we close? Yeah, I think I think briefly. I think our. Um, I think we uh, the, the amount we talk about it should perhaps be commensurate to the amount we care about it in relation to these other subjects, which yeah. is notably less. Yeah. So a couple of things here. One of them is uh, I think you know have we had enough of these online events and we should we should talk about that a, a, a bit more length. But one of the things I noticed is that Kostenyuk is playing. Um, so uh, uh, maybe good to talk touch on that. Do we think this is this is a good thing, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, why not? Um, but she uh, it's strange it's taken so long but maybe that's what we're saying earlier part of the problem I mean, she's been in the world chess elite consciousness for what 20 years more more than that and um, yeah there's absolutely no reason she won't be able to and this, this should happen more often anyway right I mean the part of the problem with elite women's chess is that the the pool itself if they have, keep having these women's events you just don't get these big um like they're probably underrated just by being in a sort of smaller pool and not necessarily getting the chance to play against 2700 rated players all the time uh how can you have a how can you have a a fair system where the opportunities aren't the same for men and women it's it's wild uh and that's a lot of the the issue i suspect with with what goes on but um yeah be really good to see her make a run in in the air things must but again it's it's not a a fide rated event so like sure it, it feels more like a kind of awareness thing that may or may not actually have a bigger impact but pass but yeah it's good I obviously it's good that there should be a commitment i think in just in these tournaments and, and more to, to to be sort of make ensuring there is female representation sort of on a really consistent basis and have it more than sort of like not necessarily just be one woman because I think that it's uh, it puts tremendous pressure on you to because like what you want to be able to do is just go and sort of play for you know as well as you can and be focusing on the game and I, I think that put like you don't want to have to go in being like you're playing for sort of the like the reputation of women in chess because obviously you go in and you have like the the, the pressure on you is, is immense because you know soon, like if we have this tournament and and Konstenyuk doesn't perform well then you're just going to get cretinous people coming out and saying well of course she's not she was only in there because she's a woman and she's not you know uh, playing well right like you need to I think it needs to is is something that needs to be normalised by just doing it lots or just having more diverse fields generally not just by um race and sex but also by rating like why not why not invite yeah. just like a kind of yeah. wider range of, of people like they're still in, in the elite yeah. just because they're not 2750 who cares and they're, they're, they yeah. mean you want the you want the personalities right and Costello is undoubtedly a personality 
these are the the the, the natural um, consequence of the fact that they're doing way more of these tournaments is that the fields are becoming less like just those top sort of ten players, right? The first I- iteration of this, there were what like four tournaments, and then the final, and pretty much every single one had like your you know your all your sort of like big names in it. Um, whereas now that they're sort of doing ten a year, it's like you just you know not going to have everyone available for all of these and so and obviously the Grand Prix is happening at a similar like sort of time right so you can't have so they're getting more players who are like interesting but not necessarily 20 you know like Eric Hansen right obviously has a big profile um, online and things like that people like him and Daniel Naroditsky played in one at some point but yeah I think there's 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 too many of them to keep up and, and sort of care with who's actually going to in terms of who actually wins this whole Grand Magnus Carlsen chess tour I, I don't really care it's the, cent- the centrist dad chess tour isn't it yeah, yeah. Melt, melt water. It always <laughs> melts. It's like the it's the Chester, which is like prominent for just having the most oblique sponsorship deals imaginable, <laughs> sponsored by stuff that just no one is even aware exists. <laughs> yeah. Bob Salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like companies that that develop tech, so you know what your pH is naturally, like <laughs> as if that even matters. Anyway. <laughs> A litmus, litmus tech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Anyway, I think that does bring us towards the end of this of this uh, roller coaster of an emotional ride that we call a podcast. Um, thanks, as always, to our sponsor, Playfair Capital. Playfair Capital is one of London's leading venture capital funds. With that, all there is for me to do is to say thank you, Phil. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. And thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in once again.